molestando con una vipa, me pregunta si te quiero, yo te digo que no estoy lista y no quiero What is up, mi gente? This is Luis Martinez, your co-host, and this episode of Mi Gente Show is titled My DACA Life. Maribel Serrano, it is Maribel on Instagram, is a producer, motivational speaker, and a DACA recipient. She produced her own life story along with the team at Avenida Productions, Fanny and Nelson Grande, for a documentary called My DACA Life. And it just sort of chronicles her life as an undocumented immigrant to a DACA recipient and finally being able to leave the country after many years back to Mexico to meet her family after not being able to for a long time. The first 45 minutes or so of the show is us talking with her about her life experiences, about producing her own life story, about her life as an actress now in L.A., a producer. She works in a bunch of different areas. After we speak to her, we get into Hellscape Watch. In this episode, we talk about the Bud Light controversy and all the backlashes and back and forth that happened. We also talk about the Dalai Lama controversy in this episode. Sophia is still traipsing around Europe, so we will be getting back to live streams probably at the end of May. But for now, we still have a few more episodes in the can that we will be dropping every week so that you guys can get your ear fix of Mijenta Show. As always, we thank you for listening. Make sure that you are following at Mijenta Show on Instagram, on Twitter, on YouTube, where we also have the podcast Podbean. Um, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcast, it helps us out. The more listens we have across multiple platforms, reach out to us, message us with any thoughts. If you'd like to be on the show, or if you think there's somebody interesting in the Latino, Latin, Latinx community that you think we should be talking to. As always, we appreciate We got swag coming. We got live shows coming. We're going to keep doing our thing. And it's all thanks to you. So as always, enjoy the pod. Cheers. <laughs> what is up, everybody? It is your boy Luis Martinez, aka Big Chief Burrito, here live with at Sofia Car underscore Sofia Carrillo, my co-host. Mi gente show live on a Tuesday. On a Tuesday? What? On a Tuesday. Doubling up, uh, baby. Doubling up, doubling up before your big vacation. Mm-hmm. Uh, mi gente show live and direct. Everybody checking in. Say hi when you get here. Lurkers always welcome. Hell yeah. Uh, we're gonna jump right into it today because we have a guest, uh, who we met at the festival this year. I I have a meme for it because, uh, you know, we always have to get the appropriate meme for the situation. Of course. And so, um, everybody knows the, uh, everybody knows the, uh, the girl, the girl meme that Uh burnt out the house. So I created a small meme for her says, I accepted a podcast invite. Oh my god! But 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 we gotta add something to it because I had a picture, so we had to add this. See? Oh, I love that! I love that because I was looking through our pictures that we had uh, from the festival, and this one that is had, that is perfect. It, it does Anyone? look a little. It does look like it does kind of have that same sort of look here. So uh, that's, that's, that's enough. I've, I've I've thrown my shade. Let's welcome Maribel Serrano to the stream. Hi! Woo! I love the meme. Oh my gosh! Send me that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I love memes of me. <laughs> I used to have a coworker who would make fun of me and make memes, and it was oh, fun. they're the best way, aren't they? Amazing. Yeah, they are. Oh, I love Sometimes it. Sometimes we do a Sophia cryface meme, but we retired that. We so, did. Overused. Are we allowed to drink on the podcast? Because I had yeah. a long day. 
Yes, please oh, do. Good. It is encouraged. Okay, good. I'm All very right. under the weather, so I'm drinking tea, but I'm joining you in spirit. All Cheers. right, Maribel, thank you for joining us. Um, we met at the festival this year uh, as a film that you produced and were the subject of, which is sort of rare for documentaries, mm -hmm. I would say, uh, called Do My Daca Life, a screen mm -hmm. there. Uh, Fanny Nelson from Avenida Productions came down from LA and we saw you, met you there, got to hang out with you uh, during the festival. Um, but, you know, just, just so people know sort of what your story is, um, you know, My Daca Life is a story of you uh, being a DACA recipient and, and going back to Mexico to sort of refine your roots in a little bit. But mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about where the the idea for you producing your own story about yourself came about? Yeah, of course. Thank you for asking that question and starting with that, actually. Um, it's very important for, for me, for people to know that I'm also one of the producers. Um, because what I find in filmmaking is that a lot of times, especially when it comes to a story of um, empathy or someone being disadvantaged, the person who is highlighted in the story is usually the filmmaker. And um, normally it's people who have resources to make films. Uh, not, any, not anyone can do it. You have to have the funds. You have to have the ability to know what you're doing. You have to have a team. Um, but I always, I felt like I have so much potential and so much that I can do. And I don't like that I'm being so restricted. And the whole point was for me to not only be the subject of the film, but also the, the producer. Like, why can't I also be a filmmaker? I don't want to just be, you know, this like sad story or, you know, it's not just sad. It's, it's a very inspiring story, but I also want to be the person who can produce own film and show others that they can do the same. So that's sort of where it came from. It came from, I guess, frustration in um, the lack that I was experiencing, like the lack of resources and access and wanting to do more and show who I really was and that I was more than just this story that people should feel bad about. Sorry, my dog went buck wild right in between no, no. there. <laughs> no, that's right. So you become, so yeah, so there's a difference between being the subject of documentary where somebody is invading your life and then basically willingly accepting and recruiting somebody to invade your life. Do you feel that the at any point it was, um, do you feel that during the filming you were being um, a version of your authentic self? Did you feel since you also had the dual role of producer in filmmaker in sort of trying to direct yourself? Did, 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 when you watch the movie now, does any of that sort of uh, jump up in your mind? Some of to an extent, but I really think that Avenida Productions and Funny did such a great job of, of get taking my vision. Um, I think that the only thing I, I would have changed maybe, but it's it's a tricky situation. It probably would have made it less like, political, but that's also very hard because it is a political subject and that can't be denied. I mean, the fact is that um, it's it's a program, you know, when it comes to DACA and immigration, it is very political. You, you just, you know, you, you can't hide it. But what I find that has been effective when it comes to educating people on who we are in our stories is meeting them where they are, is talking to them from the heart and from being authentic. And I've had friends on both ends of the spectrum being supportive um, as far as their political views, because I, you know, I grew up with around a diverse um, group of people. So that's just normal for me to be around people that have different views when it comes to 
um, their preferences and their, their views. And so, um, I do think it's very important to be very honest and blunt and on, and, uh, share the truth of what it is that we're going through. Sorry, my tripod is like sliding over. Um, but I also, you know, I, I want this to be approachable and that's been one of my goals is like not coming from a place of division, but being approachable so that anyone, regardless of what their, their views are politically, um, can get on board and support the cause and see who we are authentically and like connect on a human level versus a political one. Uh, but that being said, you know, that political element had to be included to really be able to tell the story from the perspective of the, what it is in the U S government, who it affects. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I came in with a vision. I talked to Fanny, the director and Avenida, and they did a really great job of just running with it. And I also had another, I have another 30 minute documentary that I produced when I was 25. And so I showed them that. So they, you know, they had an idea already of what I wanted to create. Yeah. I saw that. Tell us a little bit about that. It was, um, drill. Right. What does that stand for? And what did that mean to you in doing that at 25? It, I'm sure there's a word of when you combine two words and turn it into one. Yeah. It, was, it was dream and it was real. So I called it drill. I think of it dreams now. It's kind real. of cheesy. Dreams are real. But um, what happened was when I was 25 is when DACA passed. And before I was even approved for the program, just knowing that there was something in place that I knew I would qualify for because I checked all the boxes and the criteria that alone was enough for me to create this documentary and um because I had been sharing my story previously I was going to Washington DC I was doing that like on a more intimate you know political level for years since I was 19 actually um and then when the program was announced to me that was my green light to just share it publicly and not be scared of being caught or being deported or whatever may come from you know sharing such a a personal story um, publicly. So I hired a cinematographer um, and an editor. He actually flew out here. Um, I forget where he was living, but he, I told him, I gave him the vision. He had no idea, you know, what this program, I mean, it was a new program in 2012. So, um, but he also did a really great job of putting it together and sharing the story. Um, and for me, that was my way of, okay, I've always been so passionate about wanting to share my truth because to me, it's, I can imagine a life living and hiding and pretending that everything's okay and that I'm living this free life in that I, you know, some people don't really understand what it means to be undocumented. It's like, I, I didn't qualify for a driver's license. And I mean, I live in LA, I have to drive, you know, so um, not even being able to have an ID to prove who I am or pass a background check to get a job uh, or financial aid for college, like all the things, the resources that regular, you know, US residents and citizens have as just a normal part of life, I didn't have access to. So for me, it was extremely important to be able to share that truth, to put it out in the open. And I've always believed that if people saw the truth and saw the humanity behind what this actually meant for people who go through it, that people would rally behind us and support us. And luckily that's been the, the response so far and the reaction is people have been very, very open and supportive of, um, you know, both films. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, we're talking live here with um, Maribel Serrano from My DACA Life. Uh, for our people in the Midwest, you can watch My DACA Life on April 15th, four days from now. Ooh. At the um, Zakin Shakan. I, I always fuck up the X. 
Shakan. It's like a Z, I think. <laughs> Zakan Indie Film Festival, April 15th in El Centro, um, Denver, Colorado. So the, the movie starts, you know, getting some notice. Uh, you start playing. Um, we obviously screened it at the San Diego Latino Film Festival. You screened it in front of students and stuff like that. Yes. Um, even and, and <clears throat> even at the screening that that we did the Q&A for, um, you know, you, you have these people sharing their stories because, you know, it, like you said, it is very important for people to understand that, you know, being undocumented or being in a sort of uh, vague uh, status inside of the country where you that feels like home to you is obviously a very tough thing. You know, um, you know, you can't have any police interactions. You're, you're always paranoid about things. You, you're, mm-hmm. you're afraid to you can't travel. You're afraid to, you know, to do a lot of things. So um, how do you, how does that feel sort of having people open up to you, share their stories? You know, does that sort of make the entire process or maybe any of the tough times going through that process a little bit more worth it? Now, after the movie or now yeah. after the, the victory? Yeah, after all, after the screenings and after all that, yeah, everything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was the whole point because I, I had this, this burning desire to share my story since I was very young. That's why I was always you know, politically involved. Um, and it was very scary. It took a lot of courage because although I was passionate about sharing my story in the back of my mind, there was a fear I can get caught. I can, and that was always that consistent fear was always there, but I was still taking the actions to do whatever I can. Um, and I didn't know why, like, it was hard for me to understand why do I want to do this? Why do I want to share my story? Why do I have this burning desire? Why do I have this passion? And then I would question, is it silly? Is it dumb? Is it you know, immature for me to do this. Am I putting myself in danger? Like that was a consistent conversation in the back of my mind. So I couldn't understand it, but I knew that that passion was there. So I just kept, you know, rolling with it. And, um, and now that, that so many people have been impacted and I just have heard some of the most beautiful stories of how, you know, the ways in which it's impacted people. And the fact that, I mean, just recently, a couple nights ago, I was at a restaurant and I just started talking to someone at the bar and the gentleman who was sitting next to us, he overheard the conversation and he goes, oh my gosh, I'm going through that right now. You know, I'm undocumented. I hear it all the time. And it's a lot of Latinos, but people from other countries too, like people from Europe, like it's amazing how everyone and anyone will open up to you when you're vulnerable and you share your, you know, your story, especially when it comes to immigration, because a lot of times you make it a Latino issue or a Mexican issue and it very much is, but there are also so many people from other countries we just don't hear about it as much. Um, but I even had, I've had people like that tell me, you know, I just got my green card or I'm dealing with that too. And so, um, yeah, it, I, it definitely, the beautiful thing about it is that my biggest fear in life, the thing that I was most scared of people finding out about me became my strongest connector to other people. Um, and now it makes sense. You know, when I was questioning, why do I want to do this? It makes sense because it, it's for the impact. It's for other people. It's, it's, was never really about me. All right. Awesome. Good answer. I'm going to put the link to Maribel's movie in the chat here in, on Vimeo in case people want to go check it out. Thank you for stopping by. Uh, Mass Pass Leather, an artist that we met at the festival. Sophia, go yeah. ahead. Um, I want to know more about when you were 19, because you said you were pre- pretty much already doing some political stuff at that age. And so tell us a little bit about your history when it comes to education, because I know it's hard to get into college and I, I know you went to community college, et cetera, et cetera. How did you get into, you know, doing what you did at 19 so early on? 
Yeah, thank you. Uh, it just, you know, it brings me back to my younger self is always my biggest inspiration. Like I think mm-hmm. about the things that I did and I'm like, wow, I wish, I wish I had that now. And I guess I do, but it was just your circumstances. So I've heard, there's a saying that, that says, um, you don't know how strong you can be until being as strong as your only option, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and in that moment of being just so young and hungry and ambitious and having so many dreams in life. And you know, that 19 is an age where you're, you're becoming an adult and you're starting to see your peers, um, you know, move to the next level, get their first jobs or their driver's licenses. And so there's something within us, I think, um, that is just yearning for that growth and that Mm -hmm. step to step into the next level. And so I just, I had this, ambition and this desire and I, and also this anger of like this isn't fair that this is happening and I wanted to do more than just go out and protest I I wanted to face my fear I had read a quote that says run towards your fears on the other side of your fear uh, lies your best life or your greatest mm-hmm. life I love that. and that I took that literally and I thought to myself I want to go to the decision makers. I don't want to just, I want to be seen and heard by the actual people who make the decisions. You know, if I'm protesting, I'll still protest, but that, you know, goes in one ear out the other. Sometimes I think that's, that contributes to change, but I wanted to just do the most that I can to make sure that I was heard. And so I remember when I, the first time I went to DC, I was 19 and I took a, actually I took like a, a one of those handheld video cameras with me. That the uh, yeah. Yeah. That nice. is terrible. But I was filming, you know, I was, I started filming then and I wanted to just like to take that experience with me and remember it the rest of my life because just the, the experience of being there, um, knowing that I was not legal at the time, there was no DACA, no dreamers, no protection at all was so nerve wracking yet so exciting at the same time, because I was just so like proud of the courage that, you know, like of being that person that was willing to take that risk and really not knowing what to expect. I mean, I'm 19 years old. I'm not legal. I'm walking the halls of Congress for the first time. I don't know if I'm going to be stopped at the entrance and asked for my papers. Like I had no idea what that was going to be like. Um, but I was willing to take the risk at that, at that point. And I also thought about other people who had more to lose, for example, like they have children or um, jobs or they have to maintain a family. And I thought, you know, I can afford to take this risk because if I'm sent back or whatever happens, I will survive. Like I'm going to be okay. Mm. Um, other people, you know, they can't do this. So I'm just going to take advantage of the position that I'm in. And if this country really wants me out, I'm, I'm here, you know, and that's how I'll know. Um, I'd rather just get this over with than have to live with it the rest of my life. So it was, um, it was very internal. I would say it was very just driven by where I was in life and survival and fear and anger and a lot of determination and courage, man, that's brave. You are brave. You're my idol. Holy shit. That's, that's just, no, I feel like, I feel like that's something that we take for granted in this country. It's, um, kind of disgusting how, we have such amazing citizens and people that come from all different walks of life and, you know, to not see them as quote unquote American enough is um, very diminishing. And so I really enjoy the work that you're doing. And I thank you so much for all the activism and just all the artwork and everything that you are putting out there with all your films. Um, And with your photography, I see Lou is looking at some pictures. Yeah. I called you out a little bit. 
Do you want to show the walk? I'm just, I'm, 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 yeah, preparing, I'm preparing for the next segment. I'm letting you do your thing. Don't, oh, okay, don't, okay. Let's All right. Photos. <laughs> Sophia, don't show negate, off a little bit of your art. Don't, don't negate the premise, Sophia. <laughs> yes, sir. By the way, uh, I do want to extend. I want to just 25 minutes because we're at 22. So if we can go to 40, that would be great. Yeah. All right. We can update right. the meme. We can update the meme. <laughs> update the meme. Uh, 740, 740 hard. Well, since we updated, uh, uh, what did your parents think of all of this at 19? You know, I get that question sometimes, and it's it's hard for me to answer because they wouldn't say anything to me. Really? Yeah. At they all? would not. They wouldn't like. I would tell them, you know, I would mention this to them, thinking that they would be somehow proud or excited. Um, but they just, there was like silence. It was like, it was just so odd because, so the first time I went to DC, I was 19, but I went a couple of times after that. And there was once that my mom called me, mm -hmm. I was at work and she called me and she said, um, look, we don't, we don't think it's a good idea. What are you going to go for? It's, mm -hmm. um, it's not safe, you know? And I remember I, I was just so angry because now thinking about it, she was trying to protect me. But at the time, the way that it felt, it felt like you're trying to stop me from doing something impactful and meaningful. That is a dream of mine. And as my parent, like I expect your support. So that's how it felt in that moment. And I just was like angry. I don't know what I said to her, but I just, I hung up the phone and I was just so upset that I didn't have my parents support, you know, for trying to create change. Um, so it was, it was a lonely experience because at the time, People didn't understand what I was doing it or why. And that includes my parents. And I, I love them dearly. And I know that they were just trying to protect me. But it was a very lonely experience as far as having no support and feeling like not only do I really not know what I'm doing, but I'm following this passion. And, and I don't know if it's a good idea. Plus, I have no support or anyone telling me that it is a good idea. So, yeah, I mean, I did in the past few years, you know, asked my parents, like, what did you think when I was going to DC and I was doing all these things? Like, and my dad said, I just thought it was a waste of time. I just thought, you know, yeah. nothing, nothing's going to change. Like he just, just didn't think much of it. He was just like, I guess he was just confused as to why I was doing that. I guess it's kind of the defeatist perspective of, you know, a more jaded adult, I guess. And then you have a spunky 19 year old wanting to change the world. Which yeah. is what ultimately what we need, right? It's what we need. That's how you get change done is by action. Yeah. And I think that touches us people having big dreams. You know, I think there are some of us that, that we can't help but have big dreams and want to do things that other people haven't done um, and want to take risks. And then there are other people who are just very content in their day to day. And that's okay. It's not like one is better than the other, but that's why I think there's so much opposition and resistance with people who are big dreamers because others don't quite understand or don't see the vision. And um, for people who do want to create and want to grow, it's so important to build that, to grow that muscle of like not letting yourself be discouraged, you know, by people who maybe <laughs> don't necessarily want to hold you back, but they just don't have the same vision that you have. And a lot of times that's our own family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, that's 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 heartbreaking in a sense, almost that uh, that, it, that, it, that it it do be like that sometime. Um, and and again, uh, Maribel, we thank you for coming on the show. Uh, we'll spend a couple more minutes with you before we let you go. But I do. I mean, I know you said you don't. You like to stay away from the political stuff. But um, 
from my perspective, it's it's pretty um, it's 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 a political issue in the sense that, you know, the the parties could fix it in two minutes. But a, that means he couldn't run on it. Right. So Democratic Party under Obama couldn't pass anything really comprehensive, even though they had a supermajority. So they do DACA, which is literally the bare minimum that you could do for people that were brought over as kids. Um, and, you know, the Democratic Party every few years since then has said they're going to do an updated registry. They're going to do this. They're going to do advanced parole. They're going to do all these things. And at the end of the day, they don't do shit because that means they can't they, they, they can't fundraise off of that anymore and say we're the party that cares about Latinos. We're the carrier that cares about immigration. Um, so it's a lot of empty stuff. I mean, the Republican Party could in 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 now um, take over the 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 gain control of because they also have, you know, Republican Party gains traction with Latinos, you know, third, fourth generation. Once they've sort of gotten a little bit more into the U.S., they certain demographics, Cubans, affluent Latinos, et cetera. And they could take over the they could take over that issue by by doing something. Reagan is my favorite president because he passed amnesty. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so. But but it's not. So it, it it is it is it is frustrating as somebody, you know, who was who's dealt with both sides, who's 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 lived life undocumented and unregistered and stuff like that, that a lot of our culture is based on closing the door behind us, you know. And unfortunately, there's a, you have to at least acknowledge that there that there is this sort of infighting. There's this there's this there's there's all this stuff that happens with it. You might want to stay apolitical because, you know, of your connections or because you have what you want to do in your life. But, but the, but, but at the, at the core, you have to agree that, that there is at least uh, politics plays a major role in sort of playing with these lives. They want to keep people undocumented. They want to keep our free labor our cheap labor, you know, and then conveniently use us as an enemy, as, as a boogeyman to, 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 to rally up their base. Well, at least, you know, from my perspective. Well, one thing that's for sure, when, immigration reform happens again, because I do believe that it it will happen again. Um, We're going to see an extremely large number of Latinos who now have political power. I mean, we're, you know, the fastest growing minority group in the United States. And so it's going to happen anyway. The Latinos are going to be, you know, a very large part of the population, more so than it is today, but with more political power, so much political power. And that is a very exciting for a lot of people in politics. Um, and it, it is complicated, you know, because there's a system already in place. There are, there's a backlog. There are people who are trying to become legalized. There's, there, there's applications that need to be processed that take a very long time. I mean, my immigration file is like, is, it's that thick with like applications and letters and back and forth. And I mean, mine was an, an easy, you know, simple case. So I just can't imagine the process that it would be to, to legalize so like millions of people. Um, but you know, it, it can be done. I mean, if the government can bail out banks that, you know, lost billions of dollars, they can definitely pass immigration reform and find a way to hire the personnel and process the applications and legalize people who've been here for decades, for lifetimes. Um, So of course, and it is a political issue. I just, what I don't like is that 
you know, this should be something that both parties agree on. It shouldn't be one or the other because it's it's for what's best for the country. It's what's best for the economy. And it's what expands the tax base, expands voter base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so it shouldn't create division. And I, I just don't like that there's this blame game being played because everyone should be in agreement that immigration reform needs to happen again. It's been 35 years since Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was a Republican, by the way. You know, it goes to show that, and that's why a lot of, you know, Latinos who became legalized at the time and their families are Republican because they're grateful for him for changing their lives. So we also need to be, you know, cognizant of, of why people think the way they do. And, um, you know, if, if, if we have too much hope on one par- party or the other, a lot of times that can be disappointing. And that happened to me for many years. I was very, very hopeful. And I just kept hearing empty promises again and again. And so I decided, you know, it's not, it's no longer about who's in office. Like this needs to get done period. Like I'm not paying, it is political, but this just, it, it's time for both parties to come together and see this as beneficial for the country as a whole. Definitely. Have you, um, I'm curious, cause you've been talking about the same topic since you were, you know, 1925 uh, to now. And so I feel like a lot has changed in just the zeitgeist of the United States um, over that amount of time. And specifically when it came to I mean, I don't want to get political either, but like with Donald Trump, basically, you know, the otherism of Latinos, I feel like that was a pretty big uh, moment in time where we were now used as a scapegoat. And I feel like um, hatred towards Latinos and undocumented um, immigrants uh, kind of rose. So what has been your experience in promoting um, your, you know, DACA and everything from then to now? Well, you know, what's funny is when we finished filming in Mexico, this was October 2016, and we came back and two weeks later, the election happened. Oh, whoa. And that and Trump was elected. And that was not part of our vision or our plan, by the way. Um, But I just remember feeling so lost and scared and wondering, like, is this, you know, idea of a project again? Like, is this a dumb idea? Am I putting myself more at risk? And I just remember thinking, are we even going to go through with this film now that, you know, Trump is elected? Um, and I just decided to, I decided that I was going to talk to the production team to Avenida and that I was going to go based on their advice because I was willing to continue sharing my story, you know, even if it meant more risk for me. But I also, you know, I thought because they're professionals, they're my co-producers and partners, like I'm going to consult them and see what they say. So I picked up the phone and I had a conversation and they said, Maribel, this is now more important than ever. It's more important than ever for you to tell your story. And I was so excited. I was like, okay, yes, they're on my, they're on my team. You know, we're going to do this. Um, But I also had people, you know, telling me, I have a text message still that I saved where someone said, Maribel, you know, stop making your movie. Like you're putting yourself in danger. They don't care about us. Like this is a lot more complicated than you think. So I I had that too from other people. Um, So, but at the same time, you know, I got my green card during a, Trump administration. Um, I went to my interview. I had my medical examination and all of that during during that period. But it wasn't just in that moment. I mean, this had been a process years in the making, you know. So again, it just just goes to show that there's there's a different pattern throughout the political spectrum, and things happen and unfold, not necessarily based on who's president. But to answer your question, it was a lot 
more scary during the Trump era. And one thing that Trump did, and again, this is about him as a person and how he chooses to speak about people. I mean, who talks about Mexicans being rapists and, you know, that creates something in people that creates a picture and a mindset and a stereotype that is just not true. And are there bad people in, in every culture who do harm? Absolutely. But why highlight Mexicans and Latinos, right? There was one yep. time that he had he had a speech and he had a presentation and he brought up a group of like, I don't know, 10 mothers. And they were sharing about how an undocumented or in their words, illegal immigrant um, hurt their child or, or murdered their child or something like he that. Made an org- he he created that- like a panel or something that was yes. all about yeah. like immigrant crimes. Oh, my God. Me because that dialogue and that highlight is very dangerous because these are mothers and we empathize with them and we don't want any mother to go through any suffering, regardless of whether the person who committed the crime was documented or not. But Mm -hmm. he's decided to highlight this as if this is who undocumented folks are, you know, they're criminals. And that is very dangerous rhetoric. And to, you know, to, to choose to highlight that, that um, group of people who happen to, you know, have that experience because that happens to so many people and, and someone's character is absolutely not based on their immigration status at all. Mm-hmm. But he chose to, you know, create that narrative um, to his huge audience. And again, that that creates a picture in people's minds. And for me, it's just always been about how do I demonstrate that those are fabricated narratives and show the truth and what's on the other side and that that does not represent who undocumented immigrants are. It's a status based on a piece of paper. It's not a status based on someone's character or talent or ambition or you know wanting to contribute to the this country all right guys we've been live here with maribel serrano from my daca life you can catch the documentary this thursday uh, on the 15th in denver and it's also going to be screening in la when maribel in may i think i don't have the exact date i'll have to double check but it's a part of the life uh film festival life film festival that avenida productions is is co-producing so I, I will check on the exact date, but that'll be early May. All right, absolutely. And uh, we don't have a lot of time here. We have one minute left, but I did want to show you guys some of the footage that we shot with Maribel when we came. She came down here. We went to hang out close yeah. to the border. In did y'all do yeah. a movie? Y'all do a little film? Yes, That's we did. Right. I'm excited. Uh, okay. We, talk, we talked a little bit about her experiences there, uh, right there, sort of at the border. Uh, we had the uh, border patrol cars stopping by. It was her first time really hanging out at the border since that. And then we did uh, some cool pictures and uh, took some pictures at uh, Chicano Park here nice. in San Diego. Uh, we talked, we were able to walk around. That was so pictures. much fun. Yeah, it was yeah. interesting being so close to the border and just feeling like so normal and neutral. People were just walking around shopping and I just think to my to how I felt, you know, several years back, I just would not even dream of being that close to the border. I was terrified. Yeah. And uh, before you let us go, it's just I know I know we didn't get a chance to talk about your life post DACA and kind of what you're doing now. But can you tell people like where they can keep up with you and uh, sort of, um, you know, you're like, you know, now you're you're in marketing, you're in production, you're motivational speaking, you're doing a bunch <laughs> of stuff. Uh, what's your website and how can people keep up with you and follow you? Um, so my website is maribelmaribelserrano.com. Um, you can connect with me there. My Instagram is at it is Maribel. And you can follow the film on mydacalife.com. Um, I'm very active on Instagram. So if you want to reach out and connect with me there, 
that's like my instant messaging platform. So, and then you can also find me on, on Facebook, facebook.com Maribel, forward slash Maribel.serrano. Um, and yes, I'm, I'm doing a lot and I'm still, you know, passionate about continuing to share my story and create change because I, that's, it's been my truth and I don't want anybody to have to go through what I went through. And I know that so many people are, and even worse, you know, some of them are in worse situations. And so for me, I just see it as a, as a moral obligation, but also a privilege to be able to, you know, share this story. Um, and yes, I'm, I'm also working in marketing and, um, continuing to share stories of Latino progress and continuing to connect with my community and people who are like-minded and also have the same goal of um, helping Latinos progress in this country because that's where we belong. We're the next world power baby and I'm here for it. Yes! <laughs> well, we wanted to have you uh, hang out so you could react to some news and stuff with us, but I know you have to get out. You're a busy LA gal with uh he's got a busy life like he can't hate so you can uh just uh hopefully you uh what kind of sometime oh we talk about all kinds of stuff all we got uh, stuff. the dalai lami the da- dalai lama dalai lama. Oh, the dalai lama we got uh we got hellscape watch we got all kinds of stuff we talk about everything we it's two latinos reacting you know we react to a bunch of crap and then we just yeah, talk so. shit all day that's so uh hopefully one of these days uh, you can set aside some more time for us later on and you can just jump on with us you and are we also do always anonymous welcome, advice. Yeah. yeah sounds good well i'm excited to hear your reactions and thank you so much for having me and for everything that you do and by the way that intro was hilarious thank you <laughs> i do like the wednesday part that's my favorite i love seeing myself next to bill o'reilly i was like i was invited to be on uh tucker carlson once what? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't, I was being asked questions by one of his producers to see if I was, you know, a, a candidate, but I don't think that they wanted me because they, he tends to, you know, roll into people and try to make them look stupid. They like stupid people there. <laughs> so I wasn't a good candidate. So they were like, not her. She's too show. smart. She'll Probably. fight back too much. Yeah. Possible. Well, all right. well we can get into those stories and stuff. We can get into those stories later on. We appreciate you taking the yeah. time tonight. And uh, we will hopefully see you soon, Maribel. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Oh, I love her. <coughs> Dude, I am dying. Oh, my gosh. Ah. You, you all right? Ah, no. I have no idea what I have. Uh, what if it's a little COVID? Who knows? Who knows, man? Little baby COVID? Oh, baby COVID. I don't know. It feels like it. I've had it already. So it feels like it. But I'm already like today. I felt a lot better. That's when I was like, OK, I'm definitely doing the pod. But the last like three days. Whew. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. Tenía cuerpo cortado like all day, 24 hours. And it wasn't until this morning that I was like, whoa, I can move. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. That's that's insane. I, I mean, it- well, you also, did you work back-to-back nights this week? I've been overworking myself. Last week, I I covered my, yeah, my coworker shift. And it's just been, like, ongoing. So it was it was time. It was time for my body to crash. And I'm happy it happened before the trip. That's, yeah. So. All right. Well, you know, we'll hang in there as long as you, as long as you can today. Hell, yeah. If Don't make escape too painful. Or, or else I'll, I'll, you know, I'll try, I'll try, I'll try Jalon myself. Hell yeah. We got another one on Thursday anyway. No, we'll keep, we'll, I'll, I'll be here. Don't worry. 
If this will be at least two hours. Come on. We're long-winded people. Yeah, we're always long-winded. All right. Well, let's uh, move in right along. Uh, Rosa. What's up, Rosa? Rosa will be on <laughs> Thursday to talk. Take some Bronco Miel and some Vicks. Claro que sí. I've been bathing in Vicks, man. It's great. It's, it's amazing. Uh, let's see what else we're going to share. Here. By the way, I have to talk to Rosa. Okay. I'll talk to you on Thursday. I have an update though. Um, oh my God. Okay. I'll just tell you right now. I war. I finally watched Marcel the shell. Oh, have you seen it? Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. We'll talk a little bit when Rosa's on next. On talk next Thursday. We'll, we'll talk a little more shell to shell. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I got a bunch. So let's just start clearing stuff out. How about that? Okay. Let's do it. Let's go. Sure. We you don't want to do health? personal news? How are you doing, first of all? Personal news. All right, let's do personal yeah. news. Yes. All right, yeah. sure. We, we didn't get a chance to it we here. Uh, well, my personal news, unfortunately, is... Uh-oh. Not unfortunately, but... I don't know, man. Having a German Shepherd is tough uh, because they... The no, it's not the hair. The hair, I love the hair. The hair's fine. I'm used to the hair. It's just that I, I'm not... I'm not, I haven't, I'm not used to... Um, because pitbulls are super resilient and their mm-hmm. their stomachs are like they can eat they can take whatever but oh, but no. but, germ, but 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 also is just a little bit more I don't know and he's also a Craigslist dog so I think that um those are like super inbred and stuff so I think he's going to have mm-hmm. problems like with his hips and stuff and and whatnot and uh him him and Baxter were playing <laughs> him and Baxter were playing today or something like that and all of a sudden I hear them both crying so <laughs> And now, and, and now uh, also was limping from his left leg uh, when he got hurt the other day. And now he's limp- mm-hmm. limping a little bit from a rear leg and Baxter's limping a little bit. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And they're both like sitting here. Like I had to give them some CBD right now before I started. So they're all a little drugged up too. So oh hopefully, hopefully they get some rest. And, and they're they really over. trying to get you bankrupt. That's what they're trying to do. I'm just telling. I got. I don't got. I don't got emergency room money right now for you no. guys. I'm sorry. I can't do it. I think uh, I'm gonna have to. Baxter's over here. Baxter's getting old anyway. So my personal news is my dogs are. <laughs> I need like. I, I'm probably gonna have to get like pet insurance or something and get them and get them taken care so that I. That's can, expensive too, though. Oh my gosh. That is on purpose. Um, other than that. Um, we are working and we're working on the next uh, script where we're going to get ready to do a crowdfunding for the next movie. And, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to the gym still, this is week four. I survived yesterday, last night. Um, I got to the gym. I, I did my whole routine. I had my, Proud of you, man. my yeah. pre-workout, my little amino acids ready. I get there, <laughs> I sit up and then I open up my, I open up my my earphones case. No battery. No, it was empty. Oh. They were empty. Oh my gosh! No, that's the worst thing when you get to the gym. And you're like, I'm gonna raw dog this. Like, I'm just gonna do it with no music. And I was just like, wow. Oh god, that was and and oh man, it is so rough to work out with no music, man. It, it is. is a, it is a pain in the ass. Happened so to I me once. Did, I did some cardio. Yeah, I did some cardio and I swam a little bit and I came home. Um, but but yeah, so I survived that. I was like, I was already there. I was already I was already drinking my my amino acids, so I'm doing that. Uh, so yeah, so working out, doing getting a good routine, getting going. Yeah. That's 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 the new stuff. That's that's kind of where we're at. Um, and uh, editing, doing all that stuff too. Nice. So nice. so we're here. We're active, trying that's to take awesome. care of my dogs. 
What about you? Um, reality show. I got an update. It comes out on fifth of May, so Cinco de Mayo. So look out for that. Um, they finally got their shit together. Apparently, um, uh, I'm gonna be in Europe, so I don't know how much I'm gonna be active in that. I'll probably repost some stuff. That's about it. But yeah, it'll come out on fifth of May. So I'm gonna be on a reality show, y'all. Yay! Um, other than that, huh? Have you guys done any more of the reaction shows or was that put on pause? No, that everything was put on pause. And like the company that I was going to do the reaction sh- shows for, I have yet to hear if they're working with them. Um, so I don't know. It's all up in the air. I will, co- since I have access to StreamYard, I feel like I will do reaction shows regardless. And maybe we'll just put it up on the Mihanta show. What do you think? Um, or on my own personal YouTube, something. I don't know. Free content. But um, if you want to yeah. react with me, go for it. But I don't know. This is I'll be in Europe. So when I come back, I'll think about it. You'll be in, in Europa. I'll be in Europa. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh another personal news. I finally watched Schindler's list. I had never in my life watched Schindler's list. <laughs> don't laugh. Hold on. <laughs> and I, I needed to watch it because I'm gonna go to Poland. I'm gonna go see um Auschwitz. I know, very dark. I cried a lot. Boy, was I not prepared. Why did no one tell me about Schindler and his list? <laughs> you were surprised at the movie about the... No, nah, nah, I'm playing. I'm playing. I knew I knew what it was about. I already knew right. about Oscar Schindler. I'm playing. But um, I was... There were a couple of scenes that, bitch, it got me. It's a genocide. It was messed up. I was like, Jesus. Oh, you, are you... Are you kidding me? Yeah, no. That, that, that movie is... That movie is, this is probably one of the top single watch movies. Because you watch it once and it just... It hits you so and, hard. Yeah. The, you know, the, and then there's a, I mean, there's, I mean, pick your scenes, the, all the brutality scenes, the. For me, the, the shower. For me, the shower. The shower stuff. Um, oh, fuck. That the, got me so bad. The girl with the red coat is red like, coat, is the like, there's an actual, like, uh, it's a story about something that happened. Um, yeah. yeah all of that movie was incredibly hard. Don't watch, I mean, what was the movie that um, that? Uh, so I watched Sophie's Choice earlier in the year because you told me I needed to watch it. <laughs> that was another no. sad one. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot. Of, so babe, but, 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 I mean, it's an incredible film. Yeah, amazing film, highly recommend. But I did. Um, I I've been to Berlin before, and I went to Sachsenhausen, and I just remember that was my first. Um, that was uh, <clears throat> one of my first concentration camps. Well, my first concentration camp that I went to, and it was extremely difficult and hard to be in the chambers and it, it was just really hard. And I was like, I can't imagine myself being in Auschwitz because you get to Sachsenhausen and they were like, this was the chill one. This was like the work, the one where we put them to work more than anything. Auschwitz was a really bad one. And so I was like, damn, can't imagine what I would do over there, you know? And now fast forward to now, I'm actually going to go to Auschwitz. So I know I'm going to sob and it'll be very hard and difficult and yeah, don't man. Take any, don't take any inappropriate selfies, obviously. Number one. No, I definitely I know how to act. Okay. Watch me be like, hi me gente from Auschwitz. Oh God, fuck. You just made me that would be so horrible. Don't do that. Listen, listen. Um, no, let's blame, I know, let's, I know. Let's blame that joke on the cough medicine. Um <laughs> Yes, it is. It's all the night quill, you guys. I'm whoo. Loopy. that's i mean that, it's good uh i mean it's good that you're going out there no it's awesome i mean it's uh it's an experience um but yeah what was yeah. The, the movie that i was thinking about was there's another really hard movie uh to watch 
the uh, the pianist uh, with Adrian Brody, which is uh, I mean, it was a Roman Polanski movie, and you know, mm-hmm. so obviously with his with whole yeah. with his with his whole thing, but it is yeah. it is it is a, an incredibly tough movie to watch regarding anything regarding the Holocaust is obviously going to be. Real, yeah, it is. And I, you know, I will say it like sparked a lot of really good conversation between me and my brother, and kind of because he kept being like, 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 how do you get there? Like, you know, it was it was so funny because like I was like, it's a it's a slow progression, but like you know, you, it goes from just othering one group group think you know you make other people you dehumanize them enough that eventually you okay now you don't care if they lose their homes okay that's okay right but you can maintain some rights now you don't care if they lose their rights and then slowly it progresses to now all of a sudden they're vermin and they don't deserve to be alive and now we're causing genocide it's a very slow progression but that's how we get to that extremism so it does irk me reeling it back to the daca situation how we are not at the vermin genocidal level right now, but it it does irk me a lot the parallels oh. of fascism with you know just the, the rhetoric language that, that is, they use the is language the yeah, yeah is the same of like okay we are in the dehumanizing uh, lane we, that's where we are right now we're in the dehumanizing yeah. area and I don't want it to get past this I don't want it to even be near this I want it to go you know i want us all to just see each other as humans and love each other and how about let's you guys let's just love each other please i'm sick oh. aren't you though yeah yeah yeah. you're sick you're sick this is the shit that i think about though anyway all right well that's enough about me no no that uh you're 100 right it is uh yeah the language the 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 imagery the language the all of the things all of, when you start really thinking about the fascism playbook we this is they there's there's people that advise the people that are in power that mm-hmm. would love for that to be the thing that happens. Mm-hmm. They're they're 100 percent down with fascism. They went from America. We love America. America, freedom, love it or leave it to like, you know what? If it's my guy that's in charge, I'm OK with fascism. That's yeah. literally the change yeah. that happened is they went from can't dread on this you can't you know to like oh you know what uh you know fascism's okay if we're the if we're if i'm if i'm if i'm if i'm part of the fascist party exactly yeah if it benefits me which (laughs) it's crazy yeah we think with that that can't happen again and yet here we are in 2023 and we're you know othering any other groups of people especially like you know latinos and just the maga absolutely definitely 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 happening yeah yeah so let's Uh, avoid that guys <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right let's all right. let's let me let me let's pick some tabs here and get some stuff going. All right, I'm gonna save this yes. one for next episode because it's entertainment related. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, let's save that. Rosa will be on Thursday. We'll do our entertainment oh, segment yeah. with her. Uh, freaking Mario Brothers killing it at, yeah. the, at the theater. So first it was like, hey, make. Princess Peach, uh, uh, a helpless princess again. Yeah, and and then now they're saying, oh, the movie did well because it wasn't woke. So now it's like, well, you can't really have okay. that both ways. Which which one is it? Was it was it woke because they had the princess being a badass, or did it do four hundred million dollars because you know, you know you what know? I mean? Yeah, they're like it didn't have any gay couple, so her it wasn't woke her. Yeah, yeah, and Princess Peach might have been a little butch, but <laughs> we're still we're okay with we're well, okay with that. It's with called the tomboy. Uh, all right, let's see. Moving right along. All right, let's do Hellscape, and then we'll we'll move on to stuff. Then, all right? okay.
This is fine. This is fine. This is fine. This is hundred percent fine. All right. Um, so yeah, basically, Hellscape this week is another shooting uh, yeah, Monday morning in a bank. Um, and the main the main thing that was happening with this shooting that was sort of very similar to the rest. Well, the guy uh, tried to live was live streaming it on Instagram, um, and Whoa. also. Um, the way that they portrayed the shooter was uh, comical at best. Some of the headlines were um, that, yeah, it was white. Of course, he was white, so yeah. it was like he was uh, popular in his school. He was an athlete, and it was one of those memes where, like, they show the guy in the jet ski, and then like this is what the picture they put on when a guy murders his own family, and he's white. So. Oh no! Uh, the media was doing great there. Uh, it's not like Victorian pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always it's always like that. Yeah. Meanwhile, Trayvon Martin is like, oh, he had weed in the system when he passed. You know, and like, he was like uh, ten. It's like okay, yeah, bro. It's, it's like uh, all right. <laughs> we covered uh, Ukraine war still going on. Uh, some lady blew up uh, one of the Russian fighters with a bomb. We missed Whoa. that. Um, let's save this one for next week as we move right along. Um, and then the one thing I did want to talk about, we got to, all right, you want to, should we talk about the Dalai Lama right away? Yeah, let's do it. Cause you know what? Yeah. That was weird. <laughs> right. So let's talk Dalai Lama, the Dalai Lama. Uh, there's a lot of stuff happening with the Dalai Lama. Um, yeah. there was a whole thing that they did with, um, the, 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 the British guy. What's his name? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, there's a lot of British, but no, which one? The guy that does the weekly HBO show this week tonight or something. Oh yeah, week. yeah, yeah. The, uh, because yeah. the Dalai Lama, yeah, the Dalai Lama and the other Lama, they have to like sort of find each other, and then China like kidnapped the, the guy that was supposed to be the next Dalai Lama. Anyway, the Dalai Lama's around, and uh, he, he asks a young boy to suck his tongue. Tongue. Right? Yeah. Quote. It's a quote. He said, "Suck my tongue." But he did apologize. Uh, did he? Listen, can we? I want to roll the tape because I feel like you don't understand how uncomfortable this moment is unless you sit through the discomfort. Have you seen it? Please, play I, it. I've seen the uh, I've seen I've seen parts of it, right? But let's let's take a look at it here. Ah, oh, jeez, ah, uh, jeez, oh, oh, yeah, because. Well, no, I was just going to say, I don't know. There's a lot of people that are saying like, oh, no, it's tradition in Tibetan culture, tongue greetings, blah, blah, blah. If you watch the video, I don't think you'll I don't think you'll think that. (laughs) Oh, no. <laughs> if you watch the whole video with like his voice, it's so awkward. And then he grabs his hand at the end. He's like, now give me a kiss. And then he gives him a kiss on the lips. He's like, on the lips. And then he gives him a kiss on the lips. And then he's like, okay, now suck my tongue. 
And then I should not be laughing. It is very disturbing. It is really disturbing to watch. And all I can think of is like, this man is a pedophile. And I think he's just hit that age where now in his dementia, you think the Dalai Lama is a pedophile? I think so, bro. Did you not watch the video? You're going to stare at that child and be like, all right, can I give me a little kiss? Mm. Oh, no, it's like my tongue. Really? Watch the video, Lou. The video will convince you. I mean, the real I, time. Hear his voice. This man well, is creepy. This man yeah. is creepy. He's a pedophile. All right, listen. Uh, that was pedophilic. That was some. That was some Catholic priest behavior. All right, leave that in Catholicism, Dalai Lama. How dare you? Listen, as a non-practicing Buddhist, I do feel that I should at least. Uh, be like, well, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't feel, I don't feel comfortable just all of, all of a sudden calling the Dalai Lama. I didn't either until I saw that video, Lou. I, I, just, I just saw it. I saw it. It doesn't, it doesn't, it do, it's not a good look. It's not a good look to ask. There's so them. much empty space where he's just like. Hmm. The show's weird. Yeah. I and mean, then he is, grabs his, no, and then weird. he doesn't let him go. He like grabs him and then like it lingers. It's so creepy. I can't understate it enough. Watch it with audio. All of it. It is so creepy. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Why would he? Why would he do that in public? Uh, my theory, because why would he? Right. My thing is, is you get to a certain point when you're in your age, you know, maybe you got a little dementia. Who knows? He's not that old. He's old as hell. And and where you just, you know, you walk out with your without your pants on. I'm just saying that he just kind of was like, I think he just had a moment, a lapse of judgment, and was like, yeah, kiss me, lick my, lick my tongue. Uh, and he forgot that he was not in private. I don't think that. I, I don't. I listen. It could be super creepy, and it could be pedophile. wrong. Yeah. But I, I'm going to stop at calling the Dalai Lama a pedophile. I'm going to say there has to be suck some, my tongue. There has to be something else there that we're not like that that that, that hasn't come out yet, or maybe. Okay, so the best defense that I've heard is like, oh, Tibetan greetings, you're not getting it. It's like, you know, a culture thing because you can always play the culture thing. But even with the people that are saying that, they were like, this went on a lot longer than a greeting. Like it was already passed. He already greeted him a million times. And then he was like, all right, now suck my tongue. It was like a photo shoot. Maybe it was and like then a- he said, suck my tongue in English, which is another <laughs> thing of like, bro. It's so creepy. I'm saying pedophile. I'm saying dementia. I'm saying he's an old man and just, you know, forgot to wear pants one day. I'm going to not call the holiest of holiest. His his excellency, the Dalai Lama, uh, a pedophile. Uh, I'm sorry, but he said suck my tongue. I can't. I'm sorry. I I don't want to. I mean, I've said that, but not to an eight-year-old, obviously. Why not? Because Why haven't you said that to an eight-year-old? It's because it's wrong, and I'm not a fucking creepy old pedophile. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. But I'm just not that's ready. Why you to, have it? That's for well, yes, but I'm but I'm just saying. Listen, if there's something that we, if there's even an uh, an ounce of it's something cultural or it was a bit or I don't know it. I'm not. It's hard to. It's hard. It's hard to defend it. Obviously, yeah. Um, it's very hard to defend it. But I, I mean, I think the guy deserves a little tiny bit of slack in terms of like, it would be the first when you say you can't really compare it to Catholicism because that's like a hundred. I mean, a billion. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
Catholicism and the, the Catholic Church has been doing that for millennia. Yeah, yeah I mean, know? I'm not so, saying like knock the religion, let's burn everything down. I'm just saying right. that in this case, pedophilic activity. Mm. He was like this close to grabbing his hand and putting it down his crotch, man. It was just so creepy. It was vile. It was vile to watch. He would not let him. It was creepy. You need to watch it. I'm telling you. I've seen it. I just, I understand it. And I was cringed, but I, but I, but I'm. With the audio. Cause without the audio, they make it look like, oh, it's an old man just being like, hmm, he, he, he. no, it was like, suck my tongue. It's creepy as fuck. It was so scary, dude. And this kid was trying to get away. Like, okay, bro. All right. Yeah, that and part of it. Pull, was and then like, he would pull him in. Like, I was like, I've been in a room with creepy bishops, and listen, mm-mm, no, no, no. I say. Yeah, all right. I mean, let's say, like, like I said, I'm not gonna defend him, but I'm, I'm not gonna throw him under the bus, like a hundred percent. Like, hey, it's a thousand percent this. Yeah. Like you said, maybe he was uh, just a little bit out of. Maybe he was just a little out of it. He is old, although he's not like senile old. But he has yeah. been, he has been, you know, like he's, uh, he's basically. I think he might be a little senile now. Eh, we'll go with that. We'll go. Maybe he's. I think that's senile. the best bet. I think that's the best bet. You know, when a creepy like grandpa be like grabbing your butt or something, and then you're like, yeah, he's yeah, the senile. He's the creepy old grandpa. There's a movie about it. I'm like, that's the best bet at this point because other than that, it's pedophile, and it's like I don't know. We're not we're not defending groomers or pedophiles or anything like that. I'm just I just said he's. He's his holiness, and 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 uh, it might be a little bit to jump the gun to immediately be like, this is 100% what it is. That's all this of this. This is why you never meet your idols, guys. They will always disappoint you and be pedophiles. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow, you are. Wow, you are. You are coming on strong. You really don't. You really disagree. I'm surprised you disagree. No, I don't disagree. I just think that when you compare somebody to the Catholic Church, it's tough because the Catholic Church has been doing this institutionally for systemic institutional year. They they they're hundred percent okay with it. They literally rape and 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 they literally groom children. They groom them they, and then they, they label they pick, them, yeah. They pick children that are from like shattered homes that need guidance. Mm-hmm. There's there's literally like in these communities in South America, they did this for hundreds of years where the, the church is like, Oh, the priest is taking an interest with you. Yes. Go, go with him on a retreat and stuff like that. Taking advantage of the families. Yeah. That is, that is like the top level of, of, of being a piece of shit, child molester. Agreed. This old guy that may or may not know where he was, and and he's he's been treated like a god his whole life because he literally is supposed to be like a god. You know what I mean? Um, I I just didn't this one thing. Like if you were like, oh, the Dalai Lama does it again. You got more videos of him. I would be like, yeah, sure. As a one time video, it is not a good look. It is a very bad looking video. But like I said, I will, I will, I, I'm going to stop myself from like immediately declaring that he's a pedophile and this, uh, he's, he, he, he needs to, he needs to work on that though. I will, I, I will say pedophilic activity. All right. That was pedo- pedophilic behavior. We don't need to label him, but that was behavior mm-hmm. of a pedophile. Okay. All right. That, uh, yes. It was not, it was not good behavior. It's not something. Why aren't should... you licking eight year olds? Go tell them to suck your tongue, Lou. Why aren't you doing no, that? No, it's normal, no. apparently. 
No, it's not normal. It's not normal. I'm just saying that. I'm just saying that he's the Dalai Lama. So I'm going to, I'm willing to listen to an explanation or if to see if there is something cultural, but obviously what we see, what we see in the video is not a good look. And it definitely does look like bad molester behavior, creepy old guy behavior. Now, whether there was something else or whether there's a cultural aspect to it, I haven't looked into it that much. So I'm not 100% sure, but yeah, it's not a good look for the Dalai Lama. It's not a good agree, look. But like agree. I said, as somebody who practiced Buddhism and who studied about the Dalai Lama and stuff a long time in my youth, it, it, I just, I, I can't go 100% there as like a definitive statement on my part yet, unless, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, but obviously the kids seem to be uncomfortable. Um, the video doesn't lie. The sound doesn't lie. So we can we can definitely say that it was inappropriate and that it and that it feels very weird that he did that especially in public. Yeah, there you go. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Okay, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But, Sophia, you coming with the hard with the hard word? Like, yeah, I don't want. Well, way. listen, I'm just saying. All right, let's pl- let's cleanse our palate from that for a second. Okay, soccer. This is a a goal okay. kick. Oh, oh, oh no, my Ms. way. It really got in. Where's the goalie? This is the this is a this is from a goal kick. Where the fuck is the goalie at? Falling on his ass. Oh, he's what? right there, bro. Is the pendejo? What teams are these? Oh my god. <gasps> Sorry, that's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. My bad. Sorry, my guys. Ba- my bad. Yeah, that was a easy. Uh, oh, that guy! He's he better watch his back. Oh my gosh! A, this, uh, the fans are gonna get him. Holy shit! This was in Chile, 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 Chile. It was in Chile. Chile. Oh no! Oh, poor! Is he alive? Is he okay? The goalkeeper? Yeah, he's fine. Play. I'm pretty sure he's fine. Good. Uh, I mean, there's uh, if you want to watch a documentary about something crazy, you can watch the the two Escobars. Uh, which was about the soccer player from Colombia from the World Cup in '94. Uh, that it wasn't necessarily because of the own goal, but it, it is what the guy said to him before he shot him. He ended up getting killed in Medellin um, oh. after the World Cup uh, in the U.S. So hey, that shit gets happened. It, get, it, it really it does. does. Ha- Fans get crazy. It de- I mean, it happens at kids sporting again. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you just read that? Yeah, North Carolina man, uh, North Kakalaka man says, "I yes, want to say that Kurt. I went to Christian school as a child, and I'm a little disappointed nobody found me attractive enough to put their tongue <laughs> down my throat." I mean, you. I mean, did you look like a 40 year old man when you were? In- what were you wearing? <laughs> Just, well, we were, you weren't putting out the vibe. You weren't putting out the right vibe. You weren't putting out the vibe. We're getting so canceled. So canceled. Let's get, let's get off these. Let's get off these topics here. Uh, <laughs> <a little laughs> di- All right. Let's see what else is going on here. Um, I did want to talk a little. Where is this? I'm trying to find. All right. So in Latina news, Ooh. Um, Ana de Armas and Carol G are set to make SNL history as host and musical guests. Both will be Latinas on the April 15th episode, marking the first time. So don't bother me on April 15th. Um, yeah. Ana de Armas will be hosting SNL. Wow. Carol G is going to be musical guest. Sorry, that's my girl. I love Carol. Carol G? 
Yeah. Oh my God. Both our crushes are going to be the Look same that. place. The same oh, yeah. time. Should be, we should have a watch party. Let's have a watch party, bro. Let's have, let's have a watch party for Ana de Armas. What kind of music is Carol G? Reggaeton as well. Her new oh. album dropped like a couple a month a month ago or something. It's been just it's been devouring my life, which is good because Benito's in timeout. Um, so since Bad Bunny's in timeout, it's nice that Carol G came in with some new music. Nice. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, our friend uh, Lalo Alcaraz uh, came out with a new uh, line, not line, uh, and so, some new videos. Let's play one of them here. See if the, if it wants to play. Now let me hit the refresh and try it again. Uh, they're basically a series of videos regarding Can you hear that? Uh no. But I'd also paused, so it's probably why. Let me actually let me Hello. Let me I think I didn't hit the right button here. I didn't hit the share audio thing. Ah, uh, gotcha. All right, let's try this again. Hey, it's Lalo Alcaraz. I'm there it is. excited yeah. to share my latest collaboration with my friends at Haluna Health about the vital fight for quality maternal health care in California. Enjoy, and please share this far and wide. I'm going to tell you a story about a real superhero. When my mama was pregnant with me, it wasn't easy for her. She didn't know what to do or who to talk to, so she went to the hospital. It was too hard to get help until she met a friend who told her about a magical place. Amiga, go to Sister Web at www.sisterweb.org. And that's when Mama Marna introduced us to our superhero, Tia Vicky. And that's how Tia Vicky helped me mama bring me into this world safely. And she helped my mama take care of herself, too. When I grew up, I went to be a superhero doula, just like Tia Vicky. Oh. Women on Medicaid having doula support had 22% lower odds of delivering a preterm baby compared to other Medicaid recipients. Among women in the Medicaid health insurance program, having yeah. doula care was associated with 52.9% reduced odds of cesarean delivery and 57.5% lower chances of postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. That's awesome. So just wanted to share uh, his uh, latest endeavor. We'll share that in the chat as well for people to take a look at. Lalo just stays doing good stuff for the community. You know what I mean? He's great. Yeah, he's, all, he's all about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. So where is this? I'm trying to find a good video to see if there's a video of this guy that got. Uh, so two things major happened with YouTube pranksters which was there's a youtube prankster that got uh that got shot um pranking people mm -hmm. and um 
Let me see if I can find the story here. What was he doing exactly? What? Huh? I said, what was he doing exactly? I bre I vaguely heard about this one, but not in detail. You vaguely va mm -hmm. heard about it? Mm -hmm. I'm, all I can find... Uh, it was TikTok. I truly don't care. <laughs> it, it was... It, what are you doing over there? You're that was me. Stuff. Sorry, and uh, I'm just reposting it. I forgot to repost. I'm reposting. All right, I'll look for it right here. Uh, this is an interesting one. We're officially at the uh, mirrors are confusing stage of our de-evolution. This was an interesting uh. one. This is an interesting one for people. You want to explain how does the mirror know that there's a people were freaking out because they didn't realize how mirrors work. Um, Anyone explain? Uh, Look at this. Oh my God. How does the mirror know no. that that's there? That's creepy. Seriously? You want to explain how does the mirror know? Yeah, they couldn't figure this out. There? Oh, no. Anyone explain? Look at this. Oh, geez. Oh, no. No. We're doing that that's terrible there. as a species, you guys. Yeah, this is this is this is the TikTokers. This was happening on the tick on the TikToks love this TikTok. week. Great. I mean, sometimes they do a lot of good. They do. My algorithm is amazing. Listen, don't hate on TikTok. It's the algorithm, all right? That's Gen Z. I don't know. Don't right, hate on Gen Z. An update on the Tennessee GOP expelling Democratic lawmakers. One of the lawmakers that got well, surprise, surprise, out of the three people that stood with the protesters, two of them were black. One of them was an older white lady. The two black people were the one that got expelled. Shut up. The white, the white lady was the one to uh, was that did not that survived the vote. But there. Stop. The what? This could not be more blatant. What? <laughs> Tennessee. What? So, yeah, what they were. Doing? They were. They were. They were basically. They're saying the quiet part out loud. They're like, we have a chance. Now, good news is that when legislators are expelled from their positions, it usually goes back to their caucus or something that has to do with um, something that has to do with um, with their um, their the their district or what have you. And there's usually an, uh, some sort of entity that's in charge of uh, naming a replacement for an expelled representative until a special election. So it looks like both of them will be reinstated by those sort of constituencies. They both mm -hmm. were like, yeah, we're going to reinstate them. So it was all a big fucking show if they're going to get their jobs back. Okay. Uh, but it's funny that that uh, the lady was the one that survived. Yeah. What what, what a shock. I mean, it's just layered because, like, it, first of all, this sh shouldn't even be happening. Like, these students were protesting gun reform. They Their school got shot up and people died and the least that uh, like all they have the power to do is protest, which is a legal fucking right in these United States. And the way that the freaking um, the what are they called? They aren't they're not Congress people, right? The way they were walking into uh, what would they be called? Like state legislators, state legislators. State. Yeah, the way they were walking, the legislators, the way they were walking into the office that day, everyone was just like fucking like dodging them as if they were all about to like you know like as if they were criminals i'm like just the least you could do is listen to these people these are the people that you represent mm -hmm. and three of those people gave them the time of day and stood with them 
which is the least you could fucking do for the people you represent. And those three people, well, two out of the three got fired. And not only that, two of them were colored. Well, the other one was white. Like, how blatant, like, how messed up is our society, dude? Ah, it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Everything is fine. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 definitely fucked up that, and then uh, I think uh, Andy said this in one of our pods, which is uh, in the last pod she was here, where she said uh, vote local. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, like I said, we we I always say, you know, uh, Democrats are cucks, uh, Republicans are the devil, and the the difference is that they understood fifteen twenty years ago that eat that they saw that. Look, um, for example, here's a story that came out. Um, alarmed over young people increasingly providing to be a force for Democrats in the ballot box. Republican lawmakers in a number of states have been trying to enact new obstacles for voting for college students. Um, you know, they're, 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 they they realized long ago that this was happening, that the younger people were going to be voting overwhelmingly Democratic, that yeah. as minorities, uh, you know, crinkle paper while I talk. Oh, sorry, um, you can that, hear that? Damn. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Uh, that minorities were having more kids and therefore there were going to be more minority and Democratic voters, et cetera, et cetera. So they needed to rig the system. So they've been gerrymandering um, districts. They've been eliminated uh, deep blue districts and replacing them with weird swiggly lines and smaller Republican districts. Um, they've been doing everything that they could. They've been attacking local school boards, local boards they've been attacking and putting a lot more money into um, state representatives, state congressmen, state senator elections, because ultimately those are the those are the those are the organizations that even if you're in a deep blue state like Pennsylvania, if you control the state assembly, you can, in theory, cancel out what the the will of the people of that state is you know mm. by not certifying an election yeah. by being in charge of elections by saying there's no early voting you know there's no valid harvesting shit like that so republicans have taken the steps they need to to gain control of state senates like what happened in north carolina where a a, a democratic sen- a democratically elated uh, she's democratically elected in a deep blue district, switches sides of the aisle, becomes a Republican five months after she's elected, giving them a supermajority. You know, they, they do things like this because they know they can't win with a majority. They know mm-hmm. that their, their, um, their policies, you know, what do you know about Republican policies? They're, there is they're, none. There's none. They're, 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 the, the old school Republican was small government, less taxes, less regulation. Um, now it's like, you know, xenophobia. Mm-hmm. Now it's basically fear mongering. And it's and it's doing all these micro things to go against woke, to go against Bud Light, uh, to go against stupid stuff like that. Yeah, that it's makes creating no panic. Sense. It makes no sense. And so they know that they need to create these laws. They need to create these obstacles. They need to stop kids from voting. Look at what just happened in Wisconsin. One of the biggest districts or a, a small district that has a bunch of universities outvoted a much larger size district because mm-hmm. all of those college students voted and they stood in line for hours to vote. Um, and so that's is so this is what they get. Mm-hmm. But at least they know what they're doing. 
they they know that they need to control local assemblies, control local elections, and that's the only way they're going to keep kids in doing it. Um, the good news is you can't fight against the youth because they're rude, rude people. So yep. eventually, all these we're we're a generation or two away from real change. Whoever comes after Gen Z, you know, Gen Z is going to do a lot of the work, voting yeah. a lot of these people out, and, and doing a lot of things. So. What you can do is brainwash the new generation, which is where the whole alpha movement and all of that is happening. You try to brainwash a lot of the generation's men and, you know, you keep going this MAGA generation. So I don't know. I don't think it's macro. I think that it is a very small subset of people. But um, yeah, we'll see. Time will tell, I guess. Yeah. And it's interesting that you talked about that because I had something (laughs) queued up uh, regarding that. Nice. By the way, I was getting a cough drop, so let me know if it gets too ASMR. No, good. You can, you can, you can mute yourself. Out of hands these days. I've had enough of this. This punishment stuff is going to stop. You're not going to tell me what I'm going to do and not do. I am now the alpha. Not how this works. I am the T-shirt. Alpha. Takes priority over the teacher. The alpha takes priority over everything. Do you not know how that works? The teacher is telling the alpha to sit in the seat right now. And the alpha doesn't have to listen to what. Oh, this kid is about to do some damage. The consequences that follow are going to. Right. So this is what has Andrew Tate done to this generation, and we had we had we had had answered a question a while ago about somebody who was like, yeah, you know, my little brother's been listening to Andrew Tate. He. I think I charges, spoke about something like that too. Charge charges mother with uh, you know um, a credit card and stuff like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now Mr. Tate is back out on the streets. Uh, boo! Well, he's under house arrest, but you know, living in a mansion. Great. Living in a mansion, but I mean, um, scum like said, of the this, earth. This does <laughs> kind of have. A lot to do with that situation. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. I don't know. Okay. He has, I think, three months for them to find him guilty or something, for them to take him to court. How does that work? Because if he gets um, <clears throat> if he gets off free, I think there's a time frame where he could get off free, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how the Romanian penal system works, um, but I do know that they do have, they were like, they could hold them for X amount of time. Yeah. And, uh, and that, uh, and that after that, basically it's basically you have this much, this much time to, to create a case and present a case or, or he goes in, he goes free. Yeah. So let's hope that that happens. I think that there's plenty of evidence. Um, Man, dude, what is he doing to this generation, though? And it's not only him. It's a lot of people that are becoming Tate copycats. Um, and it's just because it's an easy grift, you know? Like that girl that you had that, that you showed a clip of, Wrong Think, last week or whatever. I'm like, she's just right. a grifter. She's just trying to be the Latina Candace Owens, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's doing the the uh, the whole, yeah. Especially, yeah, she's trying to be the Latina Candace Owens. If you are, although if you ever want to sell out and you get tired of being poor, I'll sell out with you, man. Let's do it. No, listen, it, it would be so easy. So easy. 
the right wing grift is so easy. It it is it is it is so easy, man. It must be so cool to be a Republican, just be able to just pick a thing to freak out, be on one side of something, switch sides, just like you know, hey, Super Mario movie, fuck that, Princess Pyramid, the princess, the princess is gonna ruin. Nobody's gonna watch. It. And then I was like, no, 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 it wasn't woke. That's why it made money. You don't and need logic. You don't need consistency. You don't need to analyze anything. You don't need to think. You just gotta just get mad at something. Talking point, react, talking uh, point, react. That's all. It that's is. What, that's why we took reactionary out of the the, the title because it was. Yeah. Because, but but if we would have stuck with reactionary, and we would have been full on. <laughs> We'd have a lot more views. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, but um, but but yeah, seriously. Like the other thing that happened was this um, the shooter in that happened, um, the shooter that was at the school, the last shooter that the last shooter before the last shooter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, was uh, was and then they blamed it on on it being a trans person, right? Mm-hmm. They were like, yeah, see, it's not it's not guns, it's a trans person. Now this last shooter was a white male, but. They dug into their LinkedIn profile and on their LinkedIn profile, they had he, him pronouns, which is something that LinkedIn, when you log into, will be like, what are your pronoun preferences? Right. Yeah. So they immediately jumped on that and said that it wasn't because he's a, he was a white male that was disenfranchised and, and angry at the world and felt entitled uh, to hurt people. It was because he was part of the he, him identity trans movement uh, because because um because he was because he put he him in his profile so i don't that's, get that no that sounds there's so many other things that we can get to before we get to that legend seems like such a nitpicky thing to go after but okay no it, it is absolutely a nitpicky thing to go it's 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 it's, it's irrelevant it's irrelevant yeah it's a hundred percent irrelevant. Um, and yeah, they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't release the manifestos because, <laughs> but this guy live streamed himself going on a murder spree on Instagram. So, I mean, the minute I knew, I, the minute that became available on Facebook and Instagram, I was like, at some point, somebody's going to do something horrible live. Yeah. And it's, and it's happened a few times now. Um, uh, in Australia, I think the New Zealand shooter, Moss shooter did that. Uh, this guy's yeah. done it. Other people have tried to do that. So, Hey, that's the hellscape. Oh, geez. It's fine. It's fine. It's all fine. You're doing great. That, 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 you're doing great. That was a great hellscape, man. That was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about uh, is uh, what I was going to say. The freak out over Bud Light and now Jack Daniels. Oh, uh, because uh, Bud Light. Oh, you haven't heard about the Bud Light freak out? Mm-mm. People are shooting their Bud Light cans. Oh, something like that. Okay, yeah. So yeah. Uh, Dylan Mulvaney is a uh, trans model influencer etc and bud light gave them a endorsement where they come out in some ads um they uh they there was an there was an ad for uh, for bud light featuring them and 
this freaked the hogs out to no end. Hello. Hey, what's up? What's up, Lizzie? Did you like the hellscape watch? Lizzie was Lizzie. Um, so so yeah, basically the the chuds on TikTok and everybody started going crazy. Uh, and they started doing the same thing that they did with um, Nike and Colin Kaepernick, where they were like burning their jerseys. Um, and uh, the basically, they literally uh, they 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 did a thing where they went into the uh, the parking lot and they crushed a bunch of like uh, Bud Light cans. Uh, and basically, people have been shooting their Bud Light cans and going oh. into the parking lot. So it's just, this is reactionary behavior. Okay. So they were like, Bud Light is pro-trans. I hate Bud Light. <laughs> yeah. Hard. And then the p- pictures came out of uh, 2003. Uh, and one of the biggest people that had a problem with it was Kid Rock. And then there was pictures of him from 2003 drinking Bud Light with a drag queen. What? Uh, I love that. You know, back in the day where uh, Kid Rock is uh, drag queens and Bud Light. So here's the thing is that Bud Light tastes like piss. It does. Bud Light is like the, is like the worst beer in the world. Uh huh. Um, and, oh, here's that. Here's the video that I saw. Oh, I earlier. thought you were going with, I thought you were going to say for hell. So they have all these cases of Bud Light and they just drove around with no cash. Mustang, but that is so yeah. wasteful. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All I know is most drinkers looked out. So here's the thing. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so apparently, it might have cost Bud Light four billion dollars, but I doubt it. I don't think that's. I don't think that's right. Um, when Nike um, started getting shit for the Colin Kaepernick thing, mm-hmm. people said they were going to break Nike and blah, blah, blah. They were burning shoes that they already paid for, which is fucking stupid. Um, and they don't understand how a boycott works, right? Um, and guess what Nike today is? Nike today is the number one shoemaker in the world, and they're the number two apparel maker in the world. So it didn't oh. do shit. Um, gay people and trans people drink a lot of alcohol. We do. You know? And I don't like Bud Light, but you know what? If y'all go discriminate, I guess I'll start buying some Bud Light. I mean, there's gotta be mm-hmm. there's gotta be a reason. Uh doing see that like doing doing what needs to be done. What kind of fucking <laughs> stupid idea is it that you're doing what, what needs, needs to, be done? to be done? Jesus. Um so then they came after Jack Daniels. Oh, what did they do? Jack Daniels had an ad. Uh you know, um, and, and the thing is that Jack Daniels is based on the stolen rep- the, uh, recipe. Jack Daniels stole his recipe from a black man. Oh. Uh, and basically, uh, Jack Daniels went woke. Uh, I will be del- uh, Travis, Travis Tritt said he was deleting all Anheuser-Busch products from our tour hospitality. They've done videos on all the beers because Bud Light, Bud owns a bunch of other beer companies, right? Uh-huh. Bud owns like I think Heineken or some other companies. They they own a bunch of yeah, a bunch better. Of, 
Right. And they, so, you know, but the thing of it is like every beer company has done some sort of ad or something that's pro, you know, Jack Daniels fire pride, you know, Corona's done ads, Coors Light does ads. Like you're not going to fight. These brands are not woke. These brands are not woke. These brands are not woke. These brands are simply doing what they have to do as a brand because they're not going to make all their money off of like poor white, poor whites and this fucking shitty ass beer. Capitalism. They, They want, they want more. They need a bigger audience and the gays and trans and other people, Latinos, all there's a lot of us that drink. A lot. Yeah. They drink and they drink Jack Daniels and they drink Coors Light and they drink all these other beers. Here's the here's the ad that freaked them the fuck up about Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels teams up with RuPaul race alums in a small town big pride campaign, drag queen summer camp with their new um <laughs> fireball ripoff, Tennessee Fire. Yeah, rip off it. Nice. Okay. See, I mean, this is something that everyone freaking does. Okay. Just because they're trying to sell to the masses. It's capitalism, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. But again, this is how you keep people ignorant is by getting them mad over little non-issues like these. And here again, somebody making a point of good for you, man. You're throwing your money away. Throwing away a little Jack Daniels bottle that you already paid for. You already paid for. You already you already paid for this. You oh, had you yeah. already had it, and you're gonna throw it down the toilet. Yeah. So so I mean, congratulate. I guess I mean, the, congratulations, yeah. congratulations on being an idiot. Like, yeah, you bought that, and then you threw it away. Like, there's literally people that go that are that are going out and shooting Bud Light bottles, and like going out there and. I hope they drank it before they shot it. Yeah, no, it's and definitely. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't. But it's okay. Look, they bought it, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they're um, so man. Maybe I'll buy some and like water my plants with it or something. Like there you go. I can't. I can't. I I can't drink Bud Light. It's like ninety nine percent water, so I'm sure your plants will do just fine. Yeah, it's insane that they're doing that. Uh, but here, the new Bud Light. Uh, ad here it's got the uh um it's 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 got a bottle it's got just a picture of of an influencer on it i mean they're just trying to find a bigger audience that's what yeah. that's what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. yeah no i mean objectively bud light is not great so no it's horrible it is it, it is uh it's like it college is. beer it's like uh it's like a, I'm already tipsy and I just want to keep this buzz going and that's the last beer in the you know available so yeah my sound is off I can't hear some of these videos that I'm supposed to play so I'm just going to save some of these for I'm just going to save some of these for later on Alright I, I am going to share huh? Oh, huh? I was going to say I love your headphones when you look to the side the lights I don't know why oh. I've been hyper focusing on it today it's great it looks great uh, Bud Light is the only perfect beer for beer pong. Yes, uh, doesn't get it, you too tipsy. Doesn't get, yeah, it's, it's a good beer pong. It's yeah, it's that watered. is a good. It's a good beer pong beer. It's That's very. It, it's cheap. 
it's water. It's like after you've been yeah. drinking and you just want to sort of keep a buzz but not go over the top. What is it? Beer after liquor or, you know, liquor after uh, beer, liquor after beer in the clear. Beer before liquor? Never been sicker? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Um, I was going to play this, but I, I can't play the sound. Um, so next, next, this Thursday, we have um, another filmmaker that's going to be joining us. And I'm going to put the link to the, this movie on the screen. It's called Chico Enrico Animal Avengers. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we're going to be, um, I'm going to put the copy of the link here to share it with you guys. Take a look at it. It's one of the movies that we featured as part of our showcase. It's a really funny uh, sort of action Western movie that turns into like a Kung Fu movie. It features dogs, Kung Fu, um, a lot of really cool action, and it's really funny. Um, so I'll put it in the comment section there so you guys can check it out. Uh, we will have the director of this movie on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So, so go check them out, and uh, we'll go. We'll, we'll, we'll have that. We'll watch more stuff. Thursday. It's exciting. I'm excited. Yeah. I love that movie. All right. We're going to get to a segment that I like to call, uh, should I buy this? <laughs> ah, Lou. All right. Try to sell me on it. All right. So this is, uh, this is the company that I get the, all these like special one-off hats for. Um, uh-huh. and this was the one that caught my eye recently. It's, it's called the Mecha Panther. So if you look at it, it's got like, it's got like the panther, but then it's got the underneath panther, and it's got Ooh. like those cool colors. It's the 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 colorway is pretty. I don't have, I have black hats, but most of the black hats I have have like a different sort of colorway on it. So what's, what's under? What's the under the cap? Under like, the cap, I think it's I think it's this. That it's, teal. Yeah, it's the maybe similar to this. It's you, okay. most of the hats have like a similar. It's the same brand as these. So they're all like embroidered. They're all like really high quality. It's but you know I haven't bought myself a new hat like in three months. <laughs> Lou, <laughs> we had this conversation three months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My last one, whatever. Yeah, that's my last one. All right. If anybody wants to buy me this hat, I will put it in the chat. Let's get some sponsorships. <laughs> Somebody sponsor this man's hat addiction, please. <laughs> Got to be bigger than seven and three quarters, though. Don't get it. Yeah, because I, I, it's got to be seven, three quarters and seven, seven, eight, if you want to get me this hat. Anyway, all right. Uh, I don't know. I'm thinking about it. It's, I'm, I'm thinking about it. It's a nice it's a hat. Cool design. It's a cool design. It is a really cool design. Um, yeah. Shout out the clink room that, that does these hats. Uh, all right. I had this one. Uh, mean Girls author takes legal action against Paramount, slams Tina Fey. What? So Mean Girls was originally um, a story written um, by author Rosalinda Wiseman, uh-huh. who wrote the book uh, Queen Bees and Wannabes. The film that was adapted in 2004 into the hit film Mean Girls. And basically, she's alleging that the studio Paramount have denied making net profits from the franchise and have not fairly compensated her for the source material. She made about 400000 after selling the film rights, but has not received any additional payments since. One of the things that she sort of was was thinking she was going to receive some payments for was Mean Girls, the musical. So mm-hmm. she sells her rights to her book. They adapt it. Tina Fey makes it. And then after that, all this Mean Girls becomes like a big thing. And it spins off into this musical. And she's thinking they're going to give her a little bit of money on that for the back end. And she was waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing happened. So now she's suing. 
Um, you know, mm-hmm. we created this thing. Tina took my words. She did an extraordinary job with it. She brought it to life and the material has been used and recycled for the last 20 years. I'm clearly recognized and acknowledged by Tina as the source. I'm recognized and yet I deserve nothing. Um, your thoughts. Oh, man. See, that's difficult because I want to be on her side. Mm-hmm. But I know that like, you know, when you get into like contracts and shit like that, it's all very black and white. And so if you sold your source material for a fit price or something, I don't know, it's whatever was in the contract, like she can sue, but I don't know what was on the initial contract. Um, A lot of times you just sell your rights to your book and then once it's gone, it's gone, you know? So I don't know. I don't know if she agreed to having residuals. I don't know. I don't know what the agreement was. So if she feels like she has a case and she's suing, then... You know, I hope she wins because this is a, a, a lot of money and I hope that she didn't get screwed. 400,000 she, she seems to think like she did get screwed. So I don't know. 400,000 is a lot of money. You got to remember it's in 2002. And yeah, it's that's been, what I'm thinking. I'm like, it sounds like a fair deal, honestly. The thing about it is that and this is something that as indie filmmakers and writers, we have to be careful of is that sometimes that first contract, that first distribution deal, that first, this is happens for musicians. Um, you know, this is something that Dave Chappelle talked about, you know, when he was doing Chappelle's show, that just the reason that they didn't, he didn't do a third season was that, you know, he signed the contract. Well, sometimes you sign the contract and you're a struggling artist, you're a struggling writer, you know, you, 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 you sign that first contract because you basically have to, because it's life changing at the time, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that you're not being taken care of. So yeah. the issue is not necessarily whether she signed the contract. It's whether the industry is abusive and predatory and yeah. takes advantage of these people, you know, because, you know, there's a problem right now because there's, there, there probably will be a WGA writer strikes because, um, you know, they've sort of changed the way they make TV and movie and content. And they're trying to sort of squeeze out writers and not pay them as many residuals. Uh, for example, for the movie The Bird Box, uh, Netflix just got sued by the WGA. And they've had to pay out like $42 million in royalties that they withheld from writers. Um, so... I, I agree that if that, 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 yeah, part of it is you have to pay attention to what you're signing and you sort of have to bet on yourself more, mm-hmm. but it is tough to bet on yourself. Like for example, let's say Spotify came to me and you Sophia next week and they're like, you know, we want to add some more Latino podcasts or like a premium service, or we want to do this, or we want you exclusively on Spotify. And we, we want the video exclusively on Spotify. We're going to give you guys, a million dollars in perpetuity in perpetuity for the rights to your show, but we need 1000 more episodes and we, we get your whole catalog. And during those thousand episodes, all of a sudden me becomes a bigger brand and we, we get these, these things, you know, whatever it spins off into other things. And all of a sudden, you know, five years from now, we're like, it's worth $20 million. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, at that moment right now in our situation, we would very easily be like, yeah, half a million a piece, sign us up. Right. Yeah. But but later on, you know, you you realize that you undersold yourself or that you, mm-hmm. you you could have held out for more. So, you know, especially with the musical aspect of it, that they keep going on to it, you know, you know, that's kind of my thing. And that's that's a difficult part, though. It's like you're selling something and she got 400K, 
which is good for that time and that moment. But then, yeah, it turned into something and grew into something much bigger franchise now musical. Like it's a, you know, took a mind of its own. So it's, so it's difficult because that is a lot of money up front. I agree with what you're saying that, you know, um, the industry does take advantage of people up front that maybe don't have that kind of notoriety and just need that head start or whatever. And they sell their stuff and then they do. So I get it. But I, I think I'm just going to let the legal process take its course. I think if she thinks she has a good case, I hope she wins and I hope she does. It's just hard to defend when you sold it initially. And then after that, it became something you had no idea, right? We've seen that with like inventions. We've seen that with a lot of stuff like, you know, freaking the person who sold, what was it? Apple? Who was it? I don't know. There's people that have like all these like bad deals, right? That you like sell it for like 10K and then later on it becomes a multi-billion dollar business. So I don't know. Yeah, the the story from um, the Facebook. Movie Facebook, where, yeah, where it's he, it's uh, yeah. yeah. Where he talks about Victoria's Secrets guy, he sold it for like ten, twenty million dollars, and then it was worth like a billion dollars, right. like five years later. And he Victoria's Secret was one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of stuff like that. I mean, eBay. I'm pretty sure, like, pretty sure Tesla. There's like a little hint of that as well. The the last owner got kicked off. Anyway, but like, yeah. It's hard. I don't know. I don't know that I have a hard stance on anything. I can see how that's like mean, but at the end of the day, also you sold it and then it became a big thing. Who's to say that it wouldn't have been that big without Tina Fey writing the movie? I don't know. You know, who's to say, I guess we'll figure no, it out. In court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the, the issue that I have with, like I said, is more the industry being predatory and the fact that they sort of try to um, appease her by saying, by always mentioning that she was a major reason for the success of it and that she was the inspiration for it. And I think what happened, they were going to give her like a, like a small part in the musical or something like that. Mm. Or they were going to, they were going to have her pay, play like one of the teachers or something like they were trying to, but they stopped short of being like, you know what we're getting, we're making, we're making a out of this. We're going to make a musical. We're going to give you 0.3%. Just because, yeah. because you know, even though we don't have to, that's the. Part I think that would where, be the. I think that would be the ethical thing to do for yeah. sure. That was yeah. the thing that like Chappelle did in the special, where he's like, you know, Netflix put my stuff on, and technically they had the right to do that, but I told them I didn't like to because I was because I felt like I was I signed that contract and they took it down, and then they renegotiated and gave him some more money, even though they necessarily didn't have to because they felt it was the right thing. So yeah. I think you know. We're I think it's one of those situations. Yeah. We're obviously late, late stage capitalism. We're obviously in, in this situation, you know? So it makes sense that, um, that it happens this way, but, but, but it doesn't make it right. And from my perspective, no, I agree that it's not right. And she's due a little more, whether it's, you know, going to happen or I don't know. I don't know. Give her a piece of the fucking show. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt anybody, you know, doesn't just give her some freaking money. She wrote it. She wrote the freaking material to begin with. But, you know, I do think that like they should be due for predatory contracts like these. They should at least be able to reopen it, you know, like 10 years or something in the future and then just be like, hey, can I at least request royalties? (laughs) You know, like, I don't know, request like some kind of payment per I don't know, something, you know, like, let's reopen this because it is predatory to begin with such a low low ball deal yeah, I guess but, but you don't know because that movie could have also away. failed yeah but also that movie could have failed and like you know not been anything yeah yeah it's definitely a thing it's definitely a thing so she got 400k could, out of it that's cool 
yeah, that thing. Where, it, like I said, it's not any. It's not a cut and dry, black and white issue. I don't think. But yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I do want to remind everybody. Thank you for everybody that tuned in. Um, yeah. You can catch the podcast. Uh, Podbean. Um, you head to show There's our episode with Lizzie here. 482 <laughs> downloads. Good, good time. Uh, our other episodes are doing really well as well. Uh, our Tally V episode, I think, is still number one right now with 541 downloads. Mm-hmm. Our recent downloads are coming up as well. Uh, the Crossing the Stream, the Team of Life, the Bad Bunny episode, all this stuff. So make sure that you guys are subscribed wherever you get your podcast. Um, mm-hmm. We'll be back on Thursday to do another live show. And mm-hmm. we'll also be doing two shows next week before we do a brief hiatus. So for uh, Luis Martinez, myself at Sofia Carr, uh, mi gente, thank you guys for hanging with us tonight. Thank you, yeah. Liz Kurt, for stopping by. Thank you, Rosa, for stopping by. Thank you, everybody that commented and shared the stream tonight. We love you. Uh, yeah. We hope you enjoyed the stream. Thank you to Maribel uh, for stopping by. And really, uh, we thank her for all the work she's doing for a lot of people who are voiceless. Um, and she, you know, I'm sure she was tired of answering all those questions, but she did a great <laughs> job because obviously she's been doing this for a long time, but we do appreciate her stopping by and, uh, that she, you know, took our, took my, uh, my shit talking in good nature. In good nature. Yes. Yeah. She's awesome. So, uh, we look forward to seeing her again, hopefully. Uh, thank you. Maspaz leather again, also for stopping by. Uh, yeah. thank you everybody. We'll see you guys in two days. See ya. Hasta luego. Peace out. Vamos, papá, hay que irnos. Me estoy aguantando desde que pusieron el domo. Puedes despegar. Muchas personas trabajaron en esta película y solo quieren que te aprendas sus nombres de memoria. Y yo quiero asegurarme de que ningún animal resultó lesionado durante las imágenes de esta película. Listo. Uy, palomitas en el suelo. Cuatro años de escuela de cinematografía para esto.